This is the Fireground Action Photography Podcast, Episode 02, Our Fireground Gear. Welcome to episode number two of the Fireground Action Photography Podcast. This is the podcast by photographers for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Durling. I am your host. And today we're going to start a, a new segment, but today it's going to be an entire show all about equipment. It's going to be your fireground gear. What do you bring to a fire? Both photography equipment and fire safety equipment. What's on you, what's with you, what's in your truck. This whole episode is going to be dedicated to that topic. And we want your feedback, too, by way of email. You can email us at podcast at firegroundaction.com. We want you to share with us what gear you use on the fire ground. With us in studio again today by popular demand, Magnificent Return is renowned Southern California fire and all-around great photographer, Ross Benson. Ross, welcome back. Thank you very much. Looking forward to today's podcast, talking about equipment. Oh, we like stuff, don't we? Oh, that we do, fire and safety. Yep. Oh, it's the gadgets. We're all in the poorhouse because we're all gadget guys, right? There's always some new piece of equipment out there that we find that comes in real handy, and there are tricks to the trade. That there is. Equipment-wise, including straps and lenses and protective gear and you can go on and, and on. we can we could do probably 10 minutes on on just camera straps alone I could probably and build, why we like certain ones why we don't like I certain could probably ones. build rooms in my house for different pieces of equipment that i've bought and not used you could hang plants with all the straps that yes. you use but let's dive right into this i mean i think there's probably a few what you'd call categories to this there's uh, what we're going to talk about is you know let's say at a structure fire you get out of your car at a structure fire what's going with you what is going in your pockets, on you? What are you pulling out of the car? Now, I think we'll agree among the fire photography, emergency services photography community that our vehicles probably are set up a little different than mom and pop Jones out there. How true. We tend to have radio equipment, monitoring equipment, but we also have a trunk or the back of our trucks are full of fire safety equipment, camera equipment, because you never know where you're going to be, when you're going to need it. There's no time to go running home to get your equipment when the, when the the call goes out when the dispatch goes out. So yeah, we have to have equipment with us. Um, so we might as well start there. What's in your car? What is in your truck? Um, I have an SUV and and I have I have a truck vault in it, which comes in real handy. It's a large, securable, heavy duty drawer in the back that locks. So I feel very safe and secure knowing my my equipment is safe because it's in my truck all the time. Well, I'm currently driving a. Uh... 89 Mercedes sedan. Ooh, highfalutin Mercedes. Well, Excuse me. It is a Mercedes. But again, equipment in is stored in my trunk in camera bags. I don't have a vault. But uh, what I keep in those bags is I'm prepared for almost all type of emergency photography, structure fire, or out here in Southern California, earthquakes. We don't know when they're going to hit. Um, driving down the street, you don't know where there'll be a traffic accident and might turn into a physical rescue. I could be at the market or whatever. I can't run home and get equipment and then go to the scene. So it's got to be with me. So I carry quite a bit of photographic and safety equipment in my trunk. Now, do you carry it in? You like to be portable. And, you know, if you've ever seen the trunk of a Mercedes, especially an older model one, it's it's a truck vault. <laughs> the trunk itself is a vault. So it's pretty secure. But that's something you have to consider that's with right. expensive camera equipment. Also, heat. 
yep. heat that's generated in Southern California sun, and there are hotter places in this country, people listening to this podcast, than Southern California. And you got to worry about heat. What will it do to your equipment? What will it do to your to your storage cards, your lenses, your glass, all that? Those are things to consider. So yeah, you you want your equipment stored in something, and that's how we happen to do it. You, you keep yours pretty portable in camera bags, or yes, we're currently I'm using a couple of different camera bags. Uh, I find my one bag to go, I call it, or my emergency kit or your go bag, my go bag, you know, doctors have doctor bags and police officers have raid bags. I have my camera go bag and I, it, it consists of a camera body. Right now I'm shooting a, a Canon. I uh, used to be a Nikon man. Now it's a Canon and a couple of lenses, strobe, um, a, a strobe, a couple of cards and a spare a cache of batteries and so forth. So that's okay. always in my car ready to go. Plus, I carry a smaller camera on my belt or in my uh, almost with me all the time now. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's not gloss over what stays on your body most of the day. And we will get more specific into the equipment you carry and how you carry it, what you choose to carry and and why. But you carry a point-and-shoot camera with I, you. I do. Uh, it's that uh, spontaneous, this business, is. isn't it? Well, you know, I had a friend... Uh, who once, uh, many years ago, a lot of people remember the picture of a PSA falling out of the sky down in San Diego. A what? A PSA airplane. Public service Yeah, public service. No, a PSA airplane. A seven, I think back then it was a 707. There was a plane mid-air plane crash, and somebody got the picture of this plane descending to Earth, and he wasn't right under it. But when, you know, everybody looked through their pictures, Somebody somebody came up with that picture of a plane coming down. So now I usually carry a camera on my belt. They're, they've come, the quality and everything. So uh, right now I'm carrying a Canon. I believe it's uh, an eight uh, SD860 or so uh, camera. And, you know, it, it works great. It's quick. It's a point and shoot. Um, I usually won't go to a fire. I, I It's on my belt going to a fire. But I change equipment, you know. But it's always with me. You never mm-hmm. know. Walking down the street or wherever, what and, and, might happen? And you know, even if it's not as many megapixels as the big camera, as the lenses aren't as great, it doesn't matter. It's portable. If it's not with you, you're not going to get a shot at all. So you might as well have something with you. Look at the Canon G9 now. Right. That's a point and shoot. And I'm making the little quotey marks with my fingers now. That's considered a point and shoot. But what, 12 megapixels? Yeah. And I mean, a great lens. That's a great little camera. That's a great little camera. But yeah, you're right. And I have a, usually have a little point and shoot very close to me, if not on me, most of the time for that reason. You know, this is a spontaneous business we're in, and it's all about getting the shot. Yep. And, you know, we keep equipment in our cars, so it's handy and close, but sometimes that isn't even close enough. Well, I've been shooting, Craig, as you know, for about 35 years, and back then, uh, brownie cameras. And this friend of mine who was a photojournalist kind of told me that he always carries this little brownie on his side. And for years... He, you know, most people have these little pouches on their side. He would have a small 35 millimeter brownie. And that's where I've now recently with the quality of point shoots, you can get a capture, a pretty good picture of something totally unexpected with that camera. Each phone, people have phones now that have cameras involved, you know, with them. So it's amazing um, the camera equipment and the quality of it today. I don't want to date ourselves because we don't know when this podcast is going to broadcast, but, you know, this is an ongoing living organism, this fire photography thing. Verdugo just passed a uh, structure fire with LA City Fire there down the street, but uh, we'll we'll update on that. We might have to leave quickly, but, uh, you know, the nature of our business, 
uh, we'll let you know if we're going out the door. But uh, <laughs> I digress. Back to business at hand. Um, yeah, you, 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 as far as storing it in your, in your, in your car, you have camera bags. I have the truck vault. In that truck vault, I have all my camera gear. Well, the camera gear that I like handy for fires. I keep a lot of stuff at home, locked up at home. But in the car, there are certain things. And, I, and the, the how I keep it all separate and organized in the truck vault is uh, it's not in a camera bag or a specific case. But I actually use the div- padded divider set from a large Pelican case. And I have that just sitting in the drawer. So I can grab a camera body. I can grab a lens. I can grab this stuff just by sliding the door open and it's right there. All my safety gear is also in there. Um, but usually, to get into a little more specific as far as equipment, since we're photographers, let's talk about equipment. Um, I'm a Canon guy. You're a Canon guy. You used to be a Nikon guy. I used to be a Nikon for many years after developing carpal tunnel and going through uh, several camera bodies and my eyesight. I'm getting a bit older. I found that Can- Canon's uh, lenses were just superb. Bodies were a lot lighter than carrying a Nikon F3. So I went to, switched over to Canon, changed all my glass and all my equipment to Canon. So what I pull out today, when I get to a fire, oh, just yesterday, rolled out to a fire here locally in Burbank, and it's time is of the essence. Um, and I have found that uh, that means my equipment, when I jump out of my car, open up that trunk, I can grab one body, and that body is my uh, Canon body, with a usually a wide angle or wide to mid lens, uh, medium lens, my strobe is attached to it. I used to do a, an accessory uh, battery pack. Now I'm using on lens on strobe uh, battery, and I'm gone. I'm very mean, portable. Very portable. You can't afford to have cables hanging and things like that. And, and the reason I just had to turn away from the mic is I started laughing because as Ross was describing how portable his equipment is, I just had pictures of you know 10, 15 years ago of uh, some of the accoutrements and accessories we'd all drag around and how we'd leave a trail from our car to the fire scene of batteries, rolls of film, certain cables, and <laughs> undoubtedly we'd need some, some of it and have to go tra- tracking back for that equipment. Well, it's funny. You, you say that trail. Well, what I've done uh, many years ago, I found carrying heavy camera equipment and camera bags. You get to a scene and you pull out, you know, uh, a camera bag and throw it on your shoulder and it's 35 pounds and you're running around to a fire and so forth. You're carrying one or two bodies and six lenses and a whole mess of film. I have found that I develop back problems from carrying camera bags. So I now shoot with a photographer's vest. Uh, my chiropractor said spread out, spread all the gear around. So this is one of those like a fisherman's vest, or they mm-hmm. make photo vests, and I wear that almost pretty. And you, with that, you still have the flexibility of I use do. of both your arms. Where if you have a camera bag hanging on a shoulder, you're real limited on one side at least. Exactly. And, and with that vest, you can put a brush jacket under it. You can put a brush over jacket it. over it. Yep. And that's kind of a basic piece of equipment we all have, even at a structure fire, um, is a brush jacket. And if you're from somewhere in the country that doesn't have a lot of brush fires, a brush jacket is basically a lightwear Nomex. turnout coat. It's a yeah. Nomex. Um, um, coat. It's reflective tape. It has your name. Can have markings on it. It's yellow or whatever color you choose. Typically yellow out in Southern California, mm-hmm. but where in Boston or New York, you just may have heavy uh, structure turnout coats and and pants. In Southern California, we have lighter gear. We also have the heavy duty turnout uh, turnouts for structures, but a lighter jacket and pants for brush fires because it's typically a hotter environment, a dry environment, and you're not looking so much for 
the protect so much protection from the heat as you are a fire retardant. It's, it, brush jackets are basically self-extinguishing. Yep, and that's exactly that's the material SEF material. They're all out of, made out of SEF material, which is self-extinguishing fabric, uh, SEF material, and um, that I wear that on. Sometimes I won't wear my vest. I'll fill um, my breast jacket pockets. Usually you have two radio pockets. pockets. Yeah. Cargo pockets, a radio pocket, one for a walkie-talkie so you can hear the fire ground action uh, conversations via the firefighters. You can expect what's going on. My other one would be a spare strobe or a strobe, and my body is in my hands. Um, and usually when I'll pull out that equipment, uh, I don't pull a ton of lenses out because I have found at a brush fire at 2 in the morning, I will not use a 300 28. Right. Uh, at a brush fire at night. Um, so I, I leave that equipment in the car. And we were actually and, discussing that before we started the show today is, you know, the longer you do this thing, this fire photography stuff, the less equipment you tend to lug out to a scene because, one, you realize you're probably not going to have an opportunity to use a lot of it. There might not be a need for it. Overkill is really easy to do uh, on the fire ground. And, and it's more part it's, of that, excuse me, I, uh, is you don't have to impress any fireman with what equipment you carry. Uh, when you're shooting a football game at a USC game or a UCLA game, you want to bring out all your long lenses so all the other photographers see what you're shooting. But at a fire, I find firemen don't care what kind of camera equipment. They just want to see the end result. And, and the more you bring out, the more you can lose, the more you can break. You might, If you want to change a lens, it's not usually the best environment to go change in a lens. Oh, that's definitely for sure. I uh, recently... Uh, found out that uh, some of the uh, dirt that has been attracted to my sensor in my camera is probably from changing a lens out in the field. And we're talking uh, either at a brush fire or at a building fire, I might have changed the lens from something, piece of equipment. And that dust that uh, gets attracted to your sensor uh, has caused some F-22 problems when I'm shooting. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, and so forth. And some of the newer cameras automatically will vibrate your sensor to remove that. Right. Um, I highly recommend if you have those, uh, when you turn your camera on and off, you have them set to do that automatically. I'm right now shooting with an older camera that doesn't, and I've uh, recently looked into uh, uh, some different equipment that will, you can clean your sensors. But you want to take that into consideration when you're shooting, changing the lens. Um, firemen have a tendency to like to get everybody wet. And I have <laughs> found many times I've tried to bent over to protect my camera equipment from getting, oh, sure. you know, washed upon. Well, at brush fires, you get the, the airdrops, you know, and that water travels a long way. And, and there it, you're, you're not only dealing with water, you're dealing with sometimes chemicals inside that water, either floss check, right. which is a fertilizer you don't need in your camera. Two rules I learned, one from growing up on the East Coast and one from shooting fires in California. One, and you can guess which is from where. Don't eat the yellow snow <laughs> and don't drink the red water. How true, how true. Red water being Fosjec, which is a fire retardant material that's, that's dropped on fires. And uh, But we digress yet again. Um, one might ask, why are you wearing a brush jacket at a structure fire? You're not fighting the fire. Well, a lot of times we not only use it for protection from flying embers, things like that, but really it uh, helps identify us at a scene. How Can true. Uh, I uh, will put on a brush jacket and I uh, mine is identified on the back with either photographer or my name on it. Um, there are other people on the fire ground that might be wearing brush jackets at a structure fire. The chief's aide won't put on turnout gear. Sometimes they'll wear a brush jacket 
or let's say they have somebody come out after the fire's knocked down to do some work and they'll let the guys dress down. That's what they call dress down and put on brush gear. So you're all looking the same. So mine says photographer. They kind of know who I am. Yeah, mine says fire ground photo. And there's one issued to me by, you know, a couple of agencies that I, I shoot for. Um, officially, and they've issued me brush jackets that say photographer, things like that. So it's a good idea, not just for protection, but use it to help identify you out at the scene. It's part of that, uh, hey, does that guy belong in here or not? You know, and uh, it might help you to stay in there. But as far as equipment uh, that I have, uh, camera equipment, um, I said a Canon guy, I have a couple of 40Ds that are my daily runaround battle cameras, and, and I've made the separation early on that, that these are tools of the trade, they're not treasures. They're going to get damaged. They're going to get dirty. I've, I've got that in my head early on. It's like when you go to Vegas. Consider the, when you drive there, the money's already gone. That way you won't feel so bad when you actually are losing it. It's the same with this equipment. It is equipment. It's a tool of the trade. In this environment we use it in, it's going to get dirty. They're going to get banged up. You have to get over that. But I usually have the two bodies. A couple of reasons. One is it's quicker transitioning from a wider lens to a shorter lens. Usually, I just that doesn't make sense, a wider lens to a longer lens. Um and I usually have a 16 to 35 uh, Canon lens on one and maybe a 70 to 200 on another to give me a little more reach. But they're both fast lenses. They're both 2.8s. But I have the two bodies. It was worth the investment for me because it's a quicker transition from long to short. And I don't have to worry about taking a lens off a camera body at a fire. I don't have to worry about the entrance of dirt and other particles. And you think it's just smoke? What is smoke? It's <laughs> matter. It's stuff, right? That's why you can see it. Um I like the 40Ds with the larger display. It has that ultrasonic, the, the, the sensor cleaning that's automatic when you power it up, power it down. Uh, and that kind of takes care of smaller dust particles, things like that. It won't take care of the big chunks, but that's a, that's kind of a, that's something you you and your technique and your practices on the fire ground need to, uh, to kind of do to try to prevent the big stuff from getting in there. I think probably one of the other common items you carry in a pocket or in your back pocket, your camera bag is a, bandana or a handkerchief or a towel towel yep. so uh when a hose breaks and you're two feet from it and you get deluged in water you can clear that camera off or clean it off real quickly and keep shooting you don't that doesn't shut you down from shooting right Something, and, I, and i haven't walked by a coupling hose coupling in years that isn't squirting on me so um that's a that's a good point i always have extra batteries you know any i, I might have two in my pocket but i've got six more in the truck if I have time to get back there. But I always, there's something I always have with on me when I'm going to a fire scene. I have the camera, at least one camera. I have spare batteries for the camera and I have spare uh, compact flashcards, period. So I know I at least have one changeover and the, and the camera straps I happen to use with my cameras have little pockets on them that allow me to have uh, two spare cards. Yeah, I was just going to talk about strap, those which is straps. Great, which I um, love. Those straps are made by Tamron, uh, and uh, they do hold. Uh, and I've looked through several straps and different manufacturers. They carry you can put in two to four cards in those little pockets. Great thing to have. I mean, uh, when I get back to my car, usually after a fire or when I clean up, I take and put a new one right into the camera, and also then we'll take one out of my camera bag and put it in that strap. Great thing to have at the fire so you don't have to go back. Extra card and extra. And and for purposes of, you know, because you're all friends, we're all friends here, I will divulge a little secret. I'm I'm not proud to admit it, but I made a rookie mistake at the Universal Studios backlot fire. I know, you're laughing at me already, Ross, but I'm I'm going to share it, you know. My mistake is is everybody else's lesson, but I uh, had a new camera, a 40D body, and I had not 
set the custom function on it to not shoot without a card in it. So here I was with the 70 to 200 on it. Luckily, again, another reason to have two bodies. I was taking pictures left and right with the 16 to 35, that body, had the 70 to 200 on another. I'm cranking pictures on both. Realized about an hour into the fire that there was no card in the camera with the 70 to 200. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So look to my left, look to my right, make sure nobody's looking, put a card in it, and kept shooting. Luckily, thank God I had the other camera that did have a card in it, so I, I, didn't, I didn't lose much, but made a rookie mistake. But again, it's, it's a custom function. It's something, familiarity with your equipment. But again, I'm glad I caught it. Not that it has anything to do with equipment, but it, it's a custom function that I forgot. You know, that probably brings up a real, real good point, Craig, is know your camera equipment. Um, they, they say take your instruction manual. They might be as big as uh, an encyclopedia nowadays because they're written in five different languages. But sometime when you're sitting in front of the TV or you have some quiet time, look at your manual. You don't have to read it page by page. But look at some of the things in it, like that custom function. Know when you're out shooting a fire, day, night, whenever. Sometimes we'll go to a fire two, three in the morning. You don't have all the senses totally there. Mm-hmm. Know what some of those custom functions are. Know what your camera. If you're going to shoot it at aperture priority or shutter priority, if you're going to throw it to manual, a lot of fire photographers shoot manual still. That P on uh, on your camera means program and. I don't know. It doesn't mean professional photographer. I learned that a long time ago. Pretty good pictures? Yeah, that might be it. Professional. Prof- there you well, go. That's a whole other show there, Roscoe. That it is. Uh, so know your camera and yeah. uh, set your custom function. And like you said, with the newer cameras, uh, the 40D, uh, you can t- it'll tell you when you go to push that shutter button that there's no CF card in there. Now, you wanted to make a real good point as far as the stuff you have on you. It, 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 you know, a lot of fires happen at night because people aren't around to, to notice immediately that they've actually started. So that's how they get going a lot. But uh, and, and how would you describe night? Dark, uh, right? That it is. And one of the other pieces of equipment that I pull out when I pull out my camera with my strobe on it, throw my gear on, is I'll pull a flashlight. Um, it's either in my pocket. I happen to like Surefire. They're fired from the rear tail cap. And you can hold it up. You can shine it on a fireman with reflective gear and you could focus on it with one hand and shoot with the other uh you can use an led light um a headlight uh there's several different companies that make different type of lighting devices but you should have something the other day i was at a fire and i'm trying to look at my camera with a from the headlight of a fire engine as guys are running by so the light keeps blinking on me so i now always try to pull a light source with and I actually me. have a, a clipped to my camera strap. I actually have a little kind of push button LED keychain kind of light and that comes in real handy. And, but also to see where you're going. Yeah, many times. You got hose lines run and and you know when it comes to wildland fire, brush fires, uh, you mentioned the headlights. Uh, I on my brush helmet, I have a, a full-brimmed bollard helmet and on that is a set of goggles and a headlamp. And I'll tell you, it could be the middle of the day. And we've all been there. Middle of the day at a brush fire and it is pitch black. You can't see five feet in front of you. And I'll tell you, uh, the Corral Canyon fire up in Malibu last year in November, we were up there at 4.30 in the morning. Pretty and dark. And it was dark, I'll tell you that. And uh, the fire was right on us, but didn't provide quite enough light to see where we were going. And those headlights, sometimes they're also the only way we know where the other guy is. We're looking for our buddy, the other photographer. Where is he? Oh, he's That's over cool. there. I see the light. So, uh, you know, all kinds of uses for this stuff. I'm glad you it. finally have seen the light, Craig. About time. This had to open my eyes. 
But uh, so the kind of gadgets you you like lights. I, I have lights. So lights come in handy. Uh, it's those little things, you know. Uh, you might think some people might think that's obvious. Some people said, "Well, good point. Yeah, it does get dark." Um, One of the other pieces of equipment that I pull. Uh, pretty regularly is a strobe. Uh, I don't shoot all available right. light. We have some friends uh, that do shoot available light. That's they they like to do available light shots. That's something that they uh, have a tendency to do. So you'll see them pull a tripod with them, throw it on their shoulders. Some nowadays you can get graphite tripods and real lightweight yeah, the tripods. Carb, carbon fiber. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And uh, but I, I pull a strobe. I pull um, a uh, a strobe to go on my body and. I normally have it either on a manual setting. Um, again, um, what I have learned shooting at night, it's dark. It depends what you're shooting. If you're shooting the apparatus with a lot of reflective tape on it, if you're shooting a fire, um, if you you put your camera on manual and know your settings. And again, you have to study and know what your camera right. can TTL do. TTL doesn't always get you the shot you want at, at sure. a fire scene at night. That's right. So if you know those manual uh, settings, that can really help you out. You know, for example, fire, emergency service. We don't just shoot fires. When we're shooting a traffic accident, um, you go to an intersection and a power pole has been knocked down. You have uh, power. You got hot wires on the ground and you're shooting a rescue in a car. You know, you need to know your settings of what you're going to put your camera at. And uh, a lot of guys shoot manual 5.6 and be there. Um, you know, but I find there's different settings to make it a perfect picture. Absolutely. Now we're, we've talked about the gear that we grab, but we also grab it from somewhere. We talked about having gear in the truck. What, what other kind of gear do you keep in your car in case you need it, depending on the diff- the situation? Now, when you uh, say additional gear, fire safety gear, uh, either or equi- uh, camera equipment, well, fire safety gear, I carry and you never know out here in Southern California when you might be shooting a picture, you might go to the market, like we said earlier, and the ground starts shaking out here. So you need to be prepared. So I have not only my helmet, my boots, uh, turnout pants or brush pants, a brush coat. Um, my, I have the out here in Southern California, I have an earthquake kit in my car, which is pretty well, uh, stocked and so forth. But my camera bag, you know, my trunk, this little Mercedes, if you open it up, you would think I have a mini fire truck. The only thing I don't have is a pump in the back. But uh, everybody, <laughs> if I pull into gas stations and will open my trunk for something, and everybody will see all this fire gear and camera gear and so forth and kind of wonder what you do. But uh, uh, the different, that's most of the equipment. Oh, helmet, real important mm-hmm. item. Uh, uh, either a ball cap, I highly recommend some type of head protection definitely at a fire. Um, and it depends what type of your fire you're going to. And that brings up a, another topic is when you put that strobe on the top of your body, uh, camera body, and you go to put it to your face and you're wearing a helmet, you know, does it go, you know, and get hit by it or knock the strobe off? What are you wearing? Are you putting a baseball cap on backwards? Something to protect embers from falling on your head? Wear so something. That's Wear right. Wear something. Yep. That's the best thing. Uh, something on your head. Um, and then also in brush, we out here in California shoot brush fires quite a bit. That we and do. I tell you, eye protection, goggles, uh, again, makes it real hard to shoot pictures, but it's stuff that you have to wear out here. Well, along those lines, you know, it's kind of funny in, in preparation for the show. I, I just made a list. I just started brainstorming, running through my head, all the stuff I had in my truck. And we're not talking radios here. We're talking gear. And I, you know, <laughs> and for just for the speed of it all, getting through it, but look, I, a tripod. 
monopod, extra batteries, extra compact flashcards, um, a couple extra lenses, a 24 to 70, a, a 100 to 400, just in case, because there have been daytime fires, brush fires where it becomes an air show. Helicopters, mm-hmm. water drops, DC-10 coming through where a longer lens could really come in handy, and you have the light, you have the environment and the time where that can come in handy. So, yeah, a couple extra lenses for those times when it, you could use it. Rain covers for the cameras and lenses. Not that you have enough time, usually, to to put it on, and again, it's that separation it's it's equipment i do my best to protect it but i do have rain covers just in case i have time to put them on i have double a batteries with a double a battery adapter for my 40ds in case the rechargeable batteries die i always have that little they, they, well what do they prepared. call it or they call that uh it's not the enough to get you home adapter you <laughs> yeah. put four double a's in it put it in the in the slot where you'd put the rechargeables and it powers your camera you can always get double a's you can't always get rechargeable batteries true um, there's a sensor cleaning uh, kit in there. There's a little air puffer so I can, you know, just blow off the sensor if I need it or blow off the front of a lens or just if, you know, at a brush fire, everything gets real dirty, just kind of blow off the camera a little bit, get it out of the controls, the, the, the debris. Um, I have a couple helmets. I have a structure helmet and I have a brush helmet. Uh, I use the Phoenix structure helmet. I have one of those with a shield on it identifying me. That's a, another big part for me is identifying myself at a scene. I don't want anybody to think I'm a firefighter. I don't want people to confuse me with with fire personnel thinking that they might be able to ask me a question that I won't have the answer to. I want people to know I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's real important. And not only for the fire personnel, but for citizens out there to know that I'm a photographer and that's what I'm there to do. Um, I have a, my brush helmet is, like I said, the full-brimmed uh, bullard helmet. And on that always lives the, the goggles and the, uh, and, the head, and the headlight. And those goggles have saved my bacon. You, you can't see in a brush fire. When the smoke is ripping around and the wind is blowing, you can't see. And I'll tell you, you can't feel your way out of a fire quick enough. Uh, so you, that's part of that's essential equipment as far as I'm concerned. Well, you, the only thing I didn't hear you say in that list, I didn't hear a salami sandwich or water or Gatorade. That's the other thing water. I find. Water, real important. Now, you can buy a 24-pack of these water bottles and throw them in your trunk. You can throw one or two in your gear bag. Mm-hmm. Um, water is real, real important. Um, especially uh, the bra- uh, the brush fires out here, but any fire you're at, um, you get dehydrated rather quickly. You lose and you might not even realize it. You don't. Either Gatorade or water. Um, water's real nice. You can put a little in your hand and wash your face off if, you ne- if necessary. But very, very important, almost as important as pulling that camera equipment out is right. your own safety gear. Well, again, you don't want to be part of the problem. That's right. Don't be part of the problem. You take care of yourself. Take care of your buddies at these scenes. Also in the truck, I'll go through these real fast, is gloves for brush fires. Um, I have brush boots. They're Danners. They're, they're good, heavy-duty, durable boots, and they're, they're high top. The stacks are real high uh, to protect, uh, protect my feet at, the, at, the, at brush fires. I have a, a clean socks and T-shirts. And all day on a brush fire, you can get pretty dirty. You can get wet at a structure fire. You might walk through a, the runoff. And gets soaked, so it gives you something dry to change into. Um, the goggles I mentioned, the headlight, uh, po- rain poncho, a, a ball cap, like you mentioned, just good to have something on your head. I have sunglasses and clear protective glasses in case it gets dark. Sunglasses aren't going to do you a whole lot of good at night, so but it gives you eye protection, a little lighter than maybe goggles if the situation doesn't warrant full goggles. Mm-hmm. You throw these just these safety glasses on. They're great. You can get them at Home Depot for three bucks. Mm-hmm. Why not have them? Why not have them to put on? Right? Put them in the cargo pocket of your brush jacket or something. Protein bars, like you mentioned, a salami sandwich. You know, you might be on these brush fires. It might some of this stuff definitely applies more to 
wildland fires where you, where you're going to be hiking in maybe in a mountainous territory to get to the fire and in all likelihood might be out there for hours if not overnight well yeah have a little snack with you then a couple of cliff bars or energy bars or something and some water have that with you um and water there's always water i have bottled water and i also have a camelback that i use in my my brush pack um and along those lines i, I have two different brush packs i have uh, they're both true north products um, available, uh, a couple of different websites we'll give you in, in a few minutes here. But uh, one of them is a bigger, it's the Crew Boss Pack that has a kind of a camelback uh, feature, a water bladder built in, into it and allows you to carry bottled water and, cut, you know, some uh, maybe a sweatshirt, things like that. It's like a low-riding backpack that you'll see a, a lot of the Forest Service people wearing. It can actually store quite a bit, but it comes in real handy. And uh, you said you're, uh, all the stuff you're looking at a list there, these are going to be in your show notes. These will be in the show notes. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll and, put the and whole you list. you can see those again where? Uh, you can see on firegroundaction.com. They'll have a page just for the podcast. Just click on that, and you'll see show notes for uh, all the episodes. And we'll have uh, websites uh, that we mentioned. We'll have uh, some notes as to kind of some of the points we make uh, during the show here. So all the stuff we're talking about, we'll try and get into the show notes at some point. Might take a little time to get it all together and organized, but we'll get them on there. Um, the other pack I wear is a smaller pack that I typically, if I don't think I'm going to be uh, hiking too deep into a brush fire, if it's more of a roadside fire like the, the buckweed fire was up in Santa Clarita, I have what's called the spider pack. It's also by True North. It's spider, S-P-Y-D-E-R, and it's a lighter pack. It's a heavy-duty suspenders, and on that, affixed to the belt, a real good weight distribution. That's kind of key to these packs, and they're designed just for this stuff. These aren't designed for photographers. These are designed for firefighters, wildland firefighters. But I'll tell you, they come in real handy because at these brush fires, you actually want a lot of the same gear that they're, safety gear they're carrying because you're in the same situation. And I'll tell you, my spider pack has glow sticks. It has an emergency blanket. It has a compass. It has a knife. It has a couple of cliff bars. It has four bottles of water and my fire shelter. And I touched on the fire shelter in, in the introduction episode is, uh, you know, if you're shooting wildland fires, do you have a fire shelter? Do you know how to use it? Have you trained with it? It doesn't, yeah, it looks good on your belt, but if you don't know how to use it when it comes down to it, it's not going to do you any good. You know, and, and when you talk about training with your fire shelter, if you uh, shoot on a regular basis at fire department, um, you can go to them and ask them for they have training shelters mm -hmm. that they play with. So you don't have to repackage. If you're buying a fire shelter, it's good to know how to open it, get it into use and so forth. But to try to repackage it perfectly, you can't do it. Well, so you're not, and, and they don't, well, manufacturer doesn't want you trying to repack it. They're, they're sealed uh, for that one time use. And, and practice shelters are relatively inexpensive and they're designed to be refolded and things like that. But uh, fire departments do have them, uh, more of your uh, your rural fire departments that may deal with wildland fire, but you can buy them. You can buy them right. anywhere you can buy a fire shelter. You can usually buy the uh, the practice shelter. Um, here's some of the places we, we get our equipment. These are some, some great outlets. Um, so, and many of them you can order all this stuff online or they'll have actual printed catalogs you can get. But places I get a lot of my gear are National Firefighter. Dot com. They have a great website. They have great uh, – a lot of these deal more in wildland uh, brush fire gear. Um, but, you know, that's – we have a lot of that in you Southern know, California. Craig, another great place to find safety gear is Galls. Uh, yes. If you've been uh, around firehouses or any type of safety uh, equipment, you see these catalogs sitting in firehouses near the TV. They send them out four or five times a year. 
Galls, uh, and you can find them online. Not only uh, that's brush a, gear. In case you don't know how to spell it, G-A-L-L-S, Galls.com, right? They're very popular. Very they popular. have law enforcement catalogs, fire. They now rescue. make just a fire safety catalog. They've uh, taken over several companies. They have not only police uh, equipment, but fire, brush, and so forth. Safety equipment, real, real important that you... Uh, it's almost it's almost if not as important as your camera gear. Absolutely, and uh, another good one is Fire Cash. Used to be it's uh, Supply Cash, but Fire Cash specifically F I R E C A C H E dot com. Another great place to get uh, get fire related safety equipment. You can get fire shelters from them. You can get helmets. You can get goggles. You can get radio harnesses. You can get the, uh, the True North packs that uh, I talked about a minute ago. Yeah, now's a good time to, if people are interested in this stuff and don't have it and want a recommendation or see what we use, they can email you, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, they can email me personally. They can they can email the podcast at podcast at firegroundaction.com. Shoot us an email. We'll be happy to provide you with this information. We'll give you tips on where we get ours. But email us, let us know where you get your equipment, and we'll share that. Uh, with the rest of the listeners, we'll put it up on the website. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you can also get us on, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com/slash/firephotos, and uh, you can follow us there. It's uh, free to uh, to sign up with, uh, get your own Twitter account, and we can exchange information there. Um, another great uh, great outlet. There's uh, you know a couple of these uh, that we're going through real quick here, but Allstate Fire Equipment. They're located in Southern California here, but they are a big big provider of structure. Uh, and wildland firefighting uh, safety equipment, turnouts, jackets, boots, uh, helmets, all of that. And they're all available online. We'll put all these in the show notes. And it's probably a good time now to uh, interject in here. Put all this stuff on before you go to a fire. You know, try this stuff out. Uh, you don't need to take the fire shelter out, but put on your safety gear and run around your house. You know, run in the backyard. Your neighbors know what you're doing. But know once you have safety gear on, what it's going to be like with an extra 30 or 40 pounds of photograph. That's a great point. It. You know, I get a new pack and I fill it up and, and I go hiking out through these canyons to a brush fire and I'm winded. Because on top of this, you've also got all your photo gear and right. you're out there all day. That's a great point. And also, you know, you get comfortable, get used to uh, and familiarized with the flexibility. And what does it feel like to have this brush jacket on with maybe suspenders and a helmet? How to shoot with a helmet? Oh, man, I would not go to a fire. With a new helmet, if I haven't figured out how to how to shoot with a strobe or shoot vertical shots or whatever with that the brim of that helmet, it's again familiarize yourself with your with your equipment because we're not just taking pictures of of uh, of bunnies out there. You know, we have to have other equipment with us. That's a that's a great point. Um, you know, and in those packs, we talked about all that equipment we have, and and we want to know what you use. What kind of stuff do you use? Email us, like I said, at podcast at firegroundaction.com. This is, and if you have other sources for, for equipment. Now, uh, we each, before the show, we decided we're going to pick one item, a little gadget that we have found to be very useful to us out on the fireground that maybe not everybody knows about. Ross, do you, uh, you have something in mind? Well, besides uh, always carrying a flashlight, which is uh, one of those pieces of equipment, um, trying to think, there's, there's several uh, that normally that I would pull, uh, the flashlight is the most common, mm-hmm. um, very important item. Uh, like I, we had said earlier, uh, not only to see your camera, but see what you're shooting. And uh, it gets dark out there. What we're shooting at night, fires don't all only only happen during sunlight yeah. hours. And it can get dark in the middle of the day. We talked about that. So we'll count that as your gadget, your recommendation right. for the day. Mine is, is something that has 
I'll tell you, you know, it cost a few bucks, but it has come in real handy and saved my bacon at many a brush fire. And I have used it at structure fires that tend to get a little extra smoky. It's called the fire, the, uh, I'm sorry, the hot shield. If you've heard it, it's a, that's a brand name. It's uh, made and distributed by Hot Shield USA. And what it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a shroud. It's a combination breathing filter and it's a carbon filled filter to it and uh, and a Nomex shroud and they have four different models four or five different models some have more neck protection some have more full face protection uh, some are kind of a neoprene wrap uh, but, but a great product and uh, there have been many a brush fire many a structure fire where I had real trouble breathing and I think we've all been there where it's extra smoky extra thick smoke maybe it's more toxic smoke maybe it's a, a you know not the healthiest smoke if you can put it that way but I've thrown this thing on, and and I can breathe with no trouble. It filters the smoke out fantastically. It's a great product, and I'll always recommend Hot Shield. Um, I have uh, a couple of them, and I got a couple of cases of extra. They were nice enough to send me a couple of cases of extra filters for those. I, I sent them some pictures, and they sent me some filters and and some uh, T-shirts, things like that. So oh. uh, they were nice enough to do that. Um, I had some a couple of pictures of them in action at some scenes, and then they were uh, more than happy to have the pictures, and I was more than happy to have some extra filters. I gave them out to some photographer friends. Well, that probably brings up another show that you could do on purposes of your photos. They not only go to the fire department and all those things, but for uh, trade-out or barter uh, with uh, equipment companies. Absolutely, and and I'm looking at the website right now at at the Supply Cash website, uh, Fire Cash or Supply Cash. Take you to the same place, and they sell them all right here. There you go, anywhere from... uh, $50 $50 on up to about $90, depending on which model you want. But I'll tell you, it, it's worth looking at. They're, it's a great piece of equipment and uh, and can save you from going man down in a situation. That's always in one of my packs. If I'm not wearing the pack at a brush fire, I take that out of the pack and stuff it in my brush jacket pocket because I want that with me. You know, and you, you just touched on something, what's in your pocket. You know, um, when you jump out of your car at 3, 4 in the morning, real important, make sure you have some identification on you. Uh, it's real important. Not only a name, address, or emergency contact. A lot of people in their cell phone put ice in case of an emergency. Um, let's say something happens at a fire. We go to these things, and they're pretty unscheduled. I mean, if a power line goes down or a building explodes or whatever, and let's say you get knocked off your feet, have some identification so the firefighters know who you are. They might recognize you and see you at the last 10 fires, but do they know your last name, your wife or That's your true. daughter's name, your son's name? Some type of identification. They'll go through your equipment or your gear. Let's say you get knocked unconscious. Make sure you're also prepared that way. That's a, that's a great point. You know, they might know you. Hey, Ross. Hey, Craig. Hey, guys. What's up? But have they ever heard your last name? You don't know. That's a, that's a really good point. Wow. We're, we're out of time. We are. That wow. went quick. That went quick, and I'll tell you, we didn't even get through all of the equipment we have, and we kind of got off on a couple of tangents, but, man, there are future shows to get into the rest of this stuff, and it's uh, it's uh, more material for later. There's no shortage of material, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear the kind of gear you're using, both camera gear and fire safety gear. We have it both. We, uh, we all have it. Uh, we want to hear where you get it from. What kind of equipment do you use? Wow, well, we're out of time. That does it for Episode 2 of the Fireground Action Photography Podcast. Remember, folks, bear with us. We're new at this. Uh, 
we might trip over ourselves here and there, but we'll get the hang of this podcast thing. We we know our photography and our fire photography, but we are new to the podcast world. So uh, bear with us there as we enjoy the process of, uh, of podcasting together. Um, Ross, again, thank you. And you can see Ross Benson's work at his website at firepictures.com. You can email him at ross at firepictures.com. And please uh, email us with your comments, your questions, suggestions, stories, and your experiences. Email for the podcast is podcast at firegroundaction.com. We want to hear from you. We look forward to your ongoing participation and and feedback through the the series here. We want to hear from you. We are trying to build community among fire photographers around the country and around the world for that matter. So we need to hear from you. Uh, Again, the email address is podcast at firegroundaction.com. Or you can email me directly at craig at firegroundaction.com. You can also get us on the Twitter. Um, we are Fire Photos at Twitter. So twitter.com slash firephotos, one word. Sign up on Twitter for your free account and follow us and we'll, uh, we'll chat on Twitter. Well, that wraps it up. We thank you for tuning in. Be safe out on those fire lines and we'll see you next time on the Fireground Action Photography Podcast. 